2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner.
1: And I'm Sarah Wessner Flynn, your co-host. And here we are, Dimity, just a few days out from the Grand Traverse, your 21-mile hike in Duluth, Minnesota. How are you feeling leading into it? Oh, I'm ready
2: to go. i It's Thursday morning. I'm actually flying this afternoon, and I did a 30-minute like little mobility circuit with my many happy miles group, which was really nice this morning. I'm like, we're taking it easy, guys. (laughs) Lots (laughs) of stretching and twisting and stuff. Yeah, the only thing is that it's like 60% chance of rain, which, hmm. you know, I did a, like a five hour hike in the rain. So I know now that I want to bring my rain pants in that mm-hmm. I want to keep a pair of dry gloves and dry socks. I don't know if I would change my socks. I, I run a marathon in the rain thinking I would change my socks at one point, but your feet are so wet that, you know, I'm not going to change my shoes too. So you know, put on a dry socks and you're they're immediately wet mm-hmm. again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's going to be fun. Oh. I mean, it's going to be a fun day. That's that's all I know. And and um, we've been kind of texting with each other, the people, the women that I'm hiking with. And it's like, you know, the worse the weather, the better the story. So, um, yeah, so we're true, looking forward true. to it. So what about you? You are. Are you in your taper yet for Twin Cities Marathon?
1: I think you can call it a taper. Uh, yeah, I did six miles this morning, a um, few miles yesterday. I haven't looked ahead to the weekend because I've just been so busy and I'm not sure what I'm doing this weekend. but I think it's something like 10. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I have just the next week about 10 days out right now. Yeah. So yeah, feeling good. Knock on wood. I think everything's moving in the right direction. So I'm happy Perfect. with that.
2: Well, you've been coaching like a mother recently. I mean, your cross country <laughs> team is in full swing, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We've been really busy with division. Every state, every county is different, set up differently. We have what we call a div- divisional meets, which are like the dual meets between local schools. And then we have these big invitationals on the weekends. Sure. So we've been having two meets a week and they've been going really well. It's just very time consuming, but not as time consuming as track. Those meets take forever, at least cross country, you know, they're over in about 30 minutes, depending. And it's been really fun. We've had great weather. Our kids are doing awesome. Um, For the first time in my coaching career, we have... Uh, athletes who are ranked in the state and oh, that's uh, the so nation. Cool. Yeah, so we're getting excited. We're not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think we're going to have like a good championship season with like counties, regionals, and states. And so that's something that really has never been a possibility with my high school team. In the past, because they just haven't been able to make it there as a team in so long. It's been decades. So this is going to be like a big game changer. And I'm hoping like for the future, it's going to change the culture of the sport. You know, cross country is, isn't always the biggest sell at high school, but I think sure. when you see you know, their peers are going to see their, their their friends going to States and hopefully winning States or doing really well at States. And it's going to be like, Hey, I want to do that too. So that's really exciting. Really exciting. Yeah.
2: I love it. Well, and does it get you fired Mm -hmm. up for your race? Cause I mean, I'm just being around competition. I think sometimes gets your you know, juices flowing for lack of a better word.
1: Yes. When I can get past the fact that I feel old and slow, <laughs> you know, cause <laughs> I'm like, how did I ever used to run like, you know, cross country yeah. races at under six minute miles or whatever I was doing back, you know, maybe not that fast in high school, but you know, close to it. I love the camaraderie of just being able to run with the kids and, and being in shape to do so. Last year at this time, I was, I think, in a walking boot with a broken foot and I wasn't able to run. So now I'm actually able to go out there and, you know, they're so sweet. They're always asking me about my pace. And one of the kids was like, yeah, Coach Sarah, you're going to go sub three. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> but thank you for the thank you for the vote of confidence. And so, yeah, I, I think being in the realm of racing and knowing that I'm going to have a big race too, it's just like, you know. it it aligns nicely.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and speaking of pace, so do you plan on running with a pacer at in the Twin Cities?
1: I've been thinking about it more and more lately, because I am really afraid of going out too fast. I know myself and what I've done in other races is that, you know, you fall into that mindset of, hey, this feels really great. I'm going to go faster than my planned pace. And then it kind of hits to halfway through and yeah. I do not want that to happen. So I haven't looked into um, how the pacer pacing group is organized at Twin Cities. I'm imagining they'll have one for what I'm shooting for. And so I may stay with a pace group. Haven't yeah. quite decided. I think it would be nice to have some company and someone to hold me back a little bit. And then hopefully my goal is to negative split isn't everybody's goal in the marathon. The <laughs> negative I mean, who knows if that's gonna happen, but I would like to stay with a group for at least a half of it.
2: I yeah. love it. I that's, love it. Well, yeah. whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. But that was a very nice segue question that you queued up for us because <laughs> if you've ever wondered what it's like to play the pacer role in a marathon or half marathon, we've got two awesome guests to fill you in. Today we are chatting with two mother runners who've been pacers in races multiple times. They're going to fill us in on all the nitty gritty details about being a pacer and offer tips about getting the gig if you'd like to grab it.
1: Yeah. And just to define the term pacer for anyone who might not be aware, it's typically an experienced runner who volunteers to run a race at a specific pace to lead runners to a goal time. So most marathons have pacers as well as many half marathons they're usually the ones who are holding the signs or the balloons, which make them very easy to spot on the race course. And they'll lead groups with goal times that typically fall within like 15 and 30 seconds. So like seven minute miles, 730 miles, eight minute miles, things like that.
2: Yeah, totally. And just so you know, so today this is kind of a a two for one episode, a kind of a, a paired episode, I guess I should say, with the Friday podcast, because Sarah and her host on Friday are going to have people who have been paced in a half marathon mm-hmm. or marathon so kind of getting both sides of the balloon should be saying <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news All right. So we're going to bring on our first guest, whose name is Meg Ryan, but she did not co-star with Billy Crystal back in the day. (laughs) Meg is actually a mom of two who lives in Tacoma Park, Maryland. And she recently served as a pacer at the Parks Half Marathon, which goes from Rockville to Bethesda, Maryland. And she has paced another race as well. Welcome, Meg.
3: It's so great to talk with you
2: about my experiences.
1: So Meg, let's start off with your why. So what made you pursue being a pacer?
3: I think it dials back to, I think when I've had the opportunity to also have been in that pace train and having been paced by another runner, when I returned back to running after like an eight year hiatus, I had been a marathoner before, but I had no idea what I was going to be like as a mother marathoner because I had had two children. I had stepped away from the running scene for a while. um, And... I had started running with a group of friends here and we all decided to run the Erie Marathon in hopes to get back to Boston. I had run Boston before, previous to having kids. And I was like, okay, well, I think I could do it. And at that race specifically, there's a lot of pacers. And I thought, okay, I need to make that cutoff. I need to go with a group. And I had such a wonderful experience kind of being led by a pace group. It was like the 330 pace group it kept me calm, it kept me steady, and that allowed me to just kind of focus on the one goal that I had without getting a little anxious or figuring out how to run a marathon again since it had been a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think when the opportunity came for me to kind of pay it back, I was really excited to do it. And so one of the major half marathons that our club team, the Montgomery County Roadrunners holds is the Parks Half Marathon. And there's a lot of veteran pacers, be it that there were a lot of veteran pacers, it sounded like everyone really loved what they were doing and it would be a great opportunity to try it out myself. So I paced the race last year and I just paced it again for a second time this year. Nice.
2: So have you paced a marathon, Meg, or is it just half marathons at this point?
3: At this point, just a half marathon. I have, I guess you could say informally paced a friend to try and achieve a BQ, Which is a whole different scenario because it's just one on one with someone else. And so the pace train kind of fell apart based on the fact that it wasn't quite her day. And so it ended up being more of a support vehicle, (laughs) more of a, (laughs) just a partnership than having to fulfill the duties as a pacer designated for a group of
2: people. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. And so can you tell us, did you pace the same time last year and this year at the Park South Marathon? Yeah,
3: I did. So last year, I guess my idea of the reason why I wanted to be a pacer was I myself wasn't having a pretty good cycle. Sure, And I get a lot of um, inspiration from just being part of the running community and thought that, you know, here's an opportunity for me to not have to worry about my own performance and to just help guide others to the best of their performance. And so I paced the 140 group. It was a pace that I knew I could hold. My Half marathon PR is around uh, 128. Okay, mm-hmm. some people say I'm sandbagging and it's a little soft compared to my marathon PR, but I can fall into a metronome with my running. So I was like, I know how to run steady, and I can run those paces steady, and so I thought it would be definitely something that I can do, and I think something that would help kind of boost my morale a little bit mm-hmm. in the greater community of supporting other people. So I did it for the first time. I was really nervous because there's a lot of weight that it's not a weight that you have on yourself to perform; it's a weight on yourself to fulfill that duty to others. Yeah, so it's a different mm-hmm. kind of feeling, right? But I was up for the task, and I did my math, my runner's math, far yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did you double check it? Because that's honestly like I to be like, okay, yeah. wait, I'm going to go over this one more time and one more time,
3: <laughs> which is hard because the course in and of itself is not GPS friendly. So I researched kind of, I talked with other pacers. The course in and of itself is not an open road through a city. It's a jogging path. Oh wow! So there's dips and turns and you're under the tree canopy. It's a route that we often run on our Sunday long runs. So there's parts of it that I'm very familiar with, but it's also, it's squirrely. Your GPS gets squirrely. So Mm -hmm. to have those markers of reference when you're pacing... You just kind of have to trust yourself a little bit more and figure out how to, I guess, pre-plan ahead. So Mm -hmm. I used, I think there was, I can't remember where I found it, but there's some kind of pace calculator that you can upload the course itself and it can give Mm -hmm. you kind of a generated pace per mile variable based on the elevation changes. Mm -hmm. So I plugged that in, you know, I got all the numbers and I said, okay, well, for 140, I just have to run a 735, 737 study. But it showed that in the first two miles that shoot you downhill, it's going to be a little faster. It's okay. It's going to be a little slower here and there. So I, I studied that to kind of wrap my head around keeping everyone in my group calm. If they're looking at their watches and saying, well, we're, we're too fast, you mm-hmm. know. I use that information to kind of chat and talk through saying, okay, we're a little under pace right now, but that's okay. You know, I will stay my pace and stay the course and just use me as a guide that I'm
1: always going to stick the number. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you did your homework. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Physically, did you have to run at that specific pace for a long run or did you just know from your past training that you could hold it? For thirteen miles. Well, I knew
3: based on a lot of our casual long runs. We do a run on Sunday, which is called the Kengar Run. It's a bunch of us from the club like to go, and it's part of the course that the Parks Half Marathon was on. And on average, I I typically will run that pace on a casual Sunday run. It dips above and below because I was also in my own training for a marathon and for Boston that fell on that October. So the Parks Half Marathon that I paced was September 26th of last year. And then I was due to run Boston that following October. Mm -hmm. I integrated it into my own training by doing it kind of like in a fartlek sense. So I would go out for a fartlek and I do speed. I do two minutes on at my speed pace that I needed, whether it was, you know, just an on fartlek pace and on the recoveries, I would shift down to my Parks pace.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: kind of as a way to play with locking it in wherever I could and to still be able to train at the trajectory that I was moving. There'd be another day where I would invited a friend and said like, hey, you know, we're going to go out on an easy run, but I'd like to temper at least a block of three or four miles at my pacing pace just mm-hmm. to kind of keep dialing it in because it's often that we all have our own metronome and I feared pushing it or pulling from it and not being able to kind of register that specific pace that I was supposed to be running.
2: So you talked a little bit about talking to your pace group during, you know, saying, okay, you know, I'm going to nail it, which I just love mm-hmm. the confidence and like, gosh, I wish I could run your pace because I would love to <laughs> love to be in your group, Meg. Um, but so as you gather your group of four, do you kind of give your pacing strategy or do you more say like, okay, I'm going to, you know, because we runners can be a little nervous before a race and you'd be like, oh, yeah. there's a really hard hill at mile 10. Do you give them that update or do you say at mile nine and a half, okay, we're going to come up on a hill. It's going to be okay. I've adjust." you know, kind of talk about how you share your pacing
0: strategy.
3: Yeah. You talk about pacers typically hold signs while they're running. Due to the nature of the course, we had our pace number marked on our back of our singlet. So the sign holding kind of only really happened in the beginning, right, as we were getting into the corrals and getting ready. And so I could see wandering faces and people looking at the sign and looking at me and until you had like a little gathering of people. And I immediately was like, hey, are you you want to go for a 140? Are you running this pace? And, And to the people that were there at the start of the race, I clearly laid out, you know, kind of my duties as a pacer to give them a scope of like what it was going to be like that I'm here and I'm going to try to keep it as steady as possible, though relative to the course. And I am going to cross or hope to cross the finish line at one forty zero zero, like on the dot
0: Mm -hmm.
3: to give them an indication that, Hey, if you know that I'm crossing the line at that dot, if you want to be ahead of that number, you got to go ahead of me. If you know that you're falling back, that you know that you're not short, you're just going to be shy of that number. So, but then on the course last year, it was great. The weather was perfect. It was cool. It was crisp. And there was no rain uh, like this year. Mm -hmm. So last year, there was a lot of chatting. I like to talk a lot. I know it helps me. Like if you're in a group and everyone's chatting, you can kind of disconnect from the grit and the grind that you're in. And get kind of lost in a conversation, the miles start ticking off. And so I try to keep it more of like a kind of conversational, like happy-go-lucky. I try to make jokes. I talk about things and, and try and peak any conversation that I could. You mentioned, you know, oh, the course. There is a hill on the course. And it's all known to us. And it's called the silencer which means (laughs) that, yeah,
1: (laughs) it's the worst. Can I just say (laughs) I've had some long runs and I'm like, oh, why am I at mile 14 on the silencer? Mm -hmm. Like this is the worst, but
0: yes.
3: Yeah, it's a really lovely rolling course. I have my, actually, I think it's my half marathon PR on that course. And so I love the course, but no one loves the silencer because (laughs) it happens at mile nine and it kind of really sneaks up on you. So I knew in my mind where that was coming. And I don't think everyone who was in my pace group knew about it. Maybe they were told about it, but I, I chalked it up and I started calling it Bubblegum Hill. Um, and so I just I just renamed it. I was like, I am not calling this the silencer. That doesn't sound good. I'm like, hey, we're coming up on Bubblegum Hill. Just pop it and go.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. So I love that. I know.
3: <laughs> I think I like I just wanted to turn the conception of like, oh, it's gonna be a grind. And we're all gonna go quiet. Because that's what happens when you run up it, they call it the silencer, because everyone just stops talking. <laughs> and they're just grunting. <laughs> and then, you know, once you get over it, then you can kind of let go. And then you see some of your group breaking up and you see people forging ahead and you almost encourage that. And I I tried to encourage it in a lot of people. And I was like, I'm trying to shake you. I think you need to go. (laughs) (laughs) You try to read off of everyone around you. My first experience the last year, there was a young woman who was running her first ever half marathon and she ran cross country. And so it was a long distance to race for her. And Mm -hmm. I think she just wanted to stay, to feel confident that she could carry through to the end, until I clearly could tell that she had more in her, and um, so just try to encourage that willingness to shoot for it in those final miles wow. was really exciting to be able to kind of release people
1: from your your little train. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So, Meg, at the beginning of the show, you mentioned running with a friend who was running a marathon. It just wasn't her day that happens more often than not in, in races, unfortunately. So what do you do when you're leading a pace group and there are people who might be complaining or struggling or just kind of bringing the vibe down? Uh, That one's hard. I think that the experience of this last
3: group was the weather was um, that kind of fell on this year. I would say the weather was terrible. It was (laughs) the beautiful experience that I had as a pacer last year was the complete opposite in terms of inclement weather. It was a deluge, it was raining. You could tell that I think even at the start people were starting to maybe reassess their goals. So I try to keep it as upbeat as possible. and as a job as a pacer is that unless someone is critically unless they were injured in some way, you have to just keep going. Like you can't rely on one person that seems to be struggling, that was capable, you know, is not injured, that is struggling. You really can't encourage that one person any more than you can the whole
0: group. Sure.
3: And, and so it's really important to say that like you may have people that are having a hard time keeping up and you may lose them unless it's an emergency situation. You have to forge on because the greater collective is there. Everyone needs to know mm-hmm. that if they come upon that pacer at some point, you may start to come upon runners who have dropped off from the pace group ahead of you. Um, and you collect them and that's a safe haven for them to know that there's another goal that they can shoot for. Yeah. So I think ultimately, like you have to finish your goal.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You, you can't empathize with one person too much. Sure, um, sure. to not kind of continue on. And it was rough. I, the, the course was, drastically different from last year. There was mm-hmm. puddles. I joked about the fact that I wasn't chatting or making jokes as much because I didn't think anyone could hear me even because the rain was just washing our faces.
1: And <laughs> wow. Wow. It, it yeah, was, it was a bad day. Wow. Bad weather day. Yes,
3: yeah. The jokes of last year were turned into go right, go left through the puddle. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like trying to shout out the safe haven of which side of the trail to be on that you're not going to lose your shoes in mud. But it was a little different. So I think it had its own struggles. Mm -hmm. But it all kind of panned out the same way, I think in the end.
0: Good.
2: So I'm curious, you wanted a 140, like how close did you come both times? Because given like you had like an A plus day and maybe like a C minus day weather wise and course wise.
3: I would say pretty relative to the weather. So last year I wanted a 140 and even amongst the pacers in our team or in our group, we all kind of were betting. To see who could come like on the dot. I think there was a little like (laughs) under the table betting going on. Um, who could really meet the mark the closest? And I think I, I came pretty close. I think I was within 20 seconds. So I was just under and I knew I was just under as I came into the finish line. I did this slow mo kind of (laughs) reel out into the finish line and it looks silly, but I'm watching the clock and I'm watching my watch and trying to like hit it on the head. And I think I still, I was 139, 40 something. Mm,
0: nice. Then this
3: year, this year, I remember one of the guys who was um, running with me, the runner mass just fell off. Like I had written it on my hand. It was all washed off. I was trying to gauge and judge. There were definitely some miles that weren't as fast as the miles that were last year, I thought I had a little bigger of a window until I didn't. And so the, mm-hmm. the roll into the finish line was a little bit more hurried.
0: And there was like, a little, Come on, I, let's I, go. We got to thread yeah. this needle. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Exactly. It was like, and we're sprinting. <laughs> um,
3: and, and so I, I made it 140 and a smidge over. So I would say there was still a 140 on the line. There was a 140 something you know, immediately people weren't, they weren't upset. I mean, I think everyone knew that the conditions of the day presented, there was not going to be a perfect score to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and you Mm -hmm. just had to appreciate that. And so, yeah, there definitely two different finish line strategies, two different just scenarios. So it was, it was exciting to kind of come so close depending on such a difference of day.
1: Yeah. And I imagine you're really bonding with these other runners as you're out there. What is it like when you cross the finish line or the big hugs, high fives, you have new best friends? Like what's it like? So last year it was really great. I
3: came across and there was just, there was pictures, there was cheers. It was so fulfilling to see people who kind of put their faith in you to just set the tone. And it was all their hard work. And a lot of being a pacer is that you have to, like, it's a job and it's something that they've worked really hard for. So you don't want to let them down. So I think the stress comes from just hoping that you can do your duties to the extent that they're able to prove their best self on the course. So it's just jubilation. I think even this year, I remember crossing the line, turning around and just screaming and cheering everyone Mm -hmm. kind of into the finish line corral, much like that year that all the women went sub three at CIM and you see the Mm -hmm. gaggle of them for like the, or no, it was like the Olympic trials year where all these women are flooding in and, and everyone's staying there and waiting to kind of greet and cheer on the rest of their group to come across the line. So it was a great experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, Meg. Well, thank you so much. You are you're and I yeah, again. Like I'm not just saying this. Like in another, in my next life, I'm going to run a 140 marathon with you. Okay? <laughs> half marathon, half marathon. <laughs> not marathon, not marathon. But thank you so much for your insight. My guess is that you are going to inspire some people to figure out how to be a pacer at a, at their next local race. So thanks a lot. Yeah,
3: I mean, I highly recommend it. It's so available and applicable to so many different pace groups. And
1: it just brings a little bit extra to your own running. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, good luck with everything in in your own running and everything that you have coming up with Rehoboth Marathon, right? That's what you said you're going to be training for. So good luck with that. And I will be seeing you on the roads hopefully soon. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much.
2: Our next guest is Jamie Taylor from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, who is an active member in the AMR community and has been a pacer for... You know, she says somewhere between 20 and 25 times, so she's going to have some great insight. Welcome, Jamie.
1: Thank you. So, Jamie, um, I know you have a very lengthy history as a pacer. Can you offer your experience in a nutshell? What distances have you paced and which races?
0: I have um, paced uh, solely half marathons. I thought that I had the lofty idea to pace a full one time, and I was like, yeah, this isn't easy for me. <laughs> and if it's not easy for me, that's harder to pace other people, you know. It's it's harder to for them to enjoy it if I'm not enjoying it either. <laughs> sure, sure. So so you thought about the marathon but you decided not to do it is that? Yeah, so I have been a pace coach with a running group. So at our, one of our local running stores, they have a half and full marathon training program. And so they have pace coaches for that. And so I am one of the pace coaches. And I had done, I think since 2012, 2013, I've, I've been one of their pace coaches. So I lead out the groups on um, the group runs three days a week. And I you know help them stay within their pace. And then I started pacing the actual race days. So I, I'm i a pace coach, you know, for that. And there was one year, it was after I'd done my Ironman race, and I was like, feeling all empowered that I could do anything. And so I was like, I'm going to pace coach the full group and then be a full pacer next year. So I... Did the job as the full pacer, you know, the coach pacer, and it was hard. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. Hard. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is not what I thought. I thought it would be just as easy. It was really laboring, and I probably was in at the wrong pace group. You know, it was more my race pace, and it shouldn't have been. So it was harder, and so I ended up saying, I th- I'll just pace the half. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> I just paced the half that You're year. Nice, nice. <laughs> One of our
1: questions was, how do you choose which pace group to lead. So you learned from experience that being too close to your actual race pace may be not
0: a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Because anything can happen on race day. You know, races can get delayed, which has happened to me before, especially here in Oklahoma. The weather can turn. You just never know. It's almost always stormy on race day. So anything can happen. And so you need to be in a race pace that is somewhat conversation pace for you so that on the really tough days, you're not having to bail out so if race pace for me is 9.30, 10 or something like that, I could be at the you 10.30, know, 11 pace. I might be the 10 to 11. I might be 11 to 12 even. You want to be comfortable enough to where you yourself are conversation pace while everybody else is struggling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know? That's so true. We, the pace that we had on before was talking about how she was talking. You know, she talks a lot and we'll, I'm sure you would uh-huh. as well, Jamie. We We'll get to that. But when somebody joins a pace group, they are probably reaching for a goal, right? They want to go, you know, sub two in a half marathon, or they want to qualify for Boston or something like that, where it is a, a little bit of a reach. And so you got to have someone chatty because Lord knows you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. really, you know, you can say your yeses and no's, but it's not like you're going to be able to rip off your life story or you wouldn't
0: need <laughs> that pacer, right? Oh, sure. The last thing you want is a pacer who does not talk the entire time at all, it doesn't say a word. Now, there's going to be days when I'm struggling too, whether it's on a hill, whether it's the heat, you know, weather related stuff. There are going to be races where that happens just because life happens, you know, but you definitely want to be where you can talk to people and encourage them and hoot and holler, you know, when you're going up hills and make it fun, because that's what they're looking for in a pacer. If They're not just wanting to be beside somebody who's quiet. Sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. I I always want to do a long run with somebody who's chatty because it gets your mind off of it. I mean, the next thing you know, you're done and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. how did I do yeah. that? Because mm-hmm. that's why group running is so much easier for me than running by yourself because you get in your head. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, yeah. One more question
2: about pacing. So you said, so you're like a nine thirty ten 10-minute race pace. So somewhere above that, right? Ten thirty eleven 11 sounds good. Sure. I'm just curious, though, if you get into like too far away from your conversational pace, say for you, that's 12 or 12.30, if that gets hard. I mean, I remember back in the days when like, were you running significantly slower than your natural rhythm? That can kind of wear you down in a different way, right? Oh, for
0: sure absolutely absolutely you don't want to be so far off your own pace that you're hurting because it hurts your your muscles to you you run differently yeah, yeah. i mean you you use different muscles to run slower um i'd say one of the hardest races i've ever done was when i had to walk almost a whole half marathon Mm -hmm. (laughs) with one of my friends who was, she had become very ill. And so I stayed with her and walked it. And I was more sore after that than any other race Mm -hmm. I've ever done. And I, I have mad compassion for people who walk, you know, half marathons or full marathons because of it. But you certainly use different muscles when you're not running your normal pace yeah, you don't want to be too far off of your pace to where you're bored or whether you're hurting because it is a different, it becomes a different kind of workout. Mm -hmm. So I would say up, up to a minute off of your own race pace. So I always pace 10 to 11 and sometimes I'm leading the group and sometimes I'm in the back. And really that's the beauty is because it's a group, it's a 10 to 11, you know, when you're, you know, pace coaching, at least you get the freedom of if if I'm not feeling it real great today, I can kind of lean towards the back and somebody else takes the lead. And it's the same thing with pacing. If you and another person are pacing together, you've got kind of one holding the front, one holding the middle or the back, and then you've got your people in between. And I mean, it's rare that you're just the only pacer, you know, it's rare. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it is at least I've never
2: Let right. me interrupt you for one second, Jamie, because we kind of glossed uh-huh. back. And I didn't mean to diminish that you didn't do the marathon going back to your pacing experience. But <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I was just interested in that because, because it's interesting. So you've done the Oklahoma City, is, that, is it, what is it called? The Oklahoma City Marathon?
0: The Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon.
2: Memorial, and so you've done that how, how many times? Probably taste it 10 times or okay, so. Okay. And that's a big race, correct? So that warrants having two pacers. Yes. Have you ever yes. been the sole pacer anywhere? Or what, what are the other races you've done?
0: Um, I have paced, oh gosh, there was a, there's a pacing group in Texas. It was a, it was a group of races, a series of races in Texas that, you know, for me was not a long drive and they were really fun races with, of course, beautiful swag, which is always important. Mm -hmm. And, and I, um, I got in their pacer group and I paced those as well. And they were Decent sized races, but there again, there were two of us. okay. I've never been in a pacing situation where there wasn't a second person. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I've been in several situations where my fellow pacer had to bow out and I became the only pacer. Mm. That's happened several times for safety reasons, you want to have a second person to you know as a backup mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've been in situations where there have been three certain groups that are really known to be huge they'll have three pacers. I'd say most of my race experience has been with the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon, but the Texas ones were the the other group that I did. They were one was called the Showdown and they were all like North Texas based races and they were a lot of fun. It was it's kind of nice when you go out of state to pace because you get to meet so many new people mm-hmm. and i really really liked that yeah i think it could probably make the conversation flow
1: really well when you're just asking people questions and getting to know them versus you know running with people that you know and you know, you've had the same conversations over and over on the run oh yeah but speaking of people that you're talking to during the race, uh, you had written in a Facebook post that one of your tips was to ignore the one person who will squawk at you that you're going too fast or you're going too slow.
0: So how do you get your pace group to trust you and just go with it? And um, I usually try as best we can before the race even starts to kind of have a quick, hey, wow, this is what we're going to do. And it's easy to do that in the beginning of a race, you know, despite the loud crowd, you know, cheering and things and maybe music overhead because they're stuck like glue to you in the very beginning. Like they think that they have to be on your heels. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. when you have those people, you're kind of like, OK, if you're running with me, I'm pacing. And I kind of tell them ahead of time, Quit, don't look at your watches, you know, trust us. As long as we're in sight, whether you're behind us, right with us, as long as you can see us, you're good. There are going to be times when we're running a little faster because we know that there's a really difficult part of the course coming ahead that we're going to be a little slower. We will make up for it. Um, we may be a little faster because so that because we know there's a water stop coming up and we're going to walk through that water stop while you guys Take a quick drink. I just set the tone ahead of time to relax and stay with us and enjoy the experience, enjoy the crowds. Because you'll have that person that's like, well, do you know what we're going? You we're going this. You know that we're supposed to, aren't we supposed to be this? You know, and it and it can get aggravating. Can so imagine. if you tell them ahead of time, mm-hmm. a lot of times it goes really well. You're still gonna get that person. You just are. They're just and, and <laughs> they a lot exist, of times, it's, right? <laughs> it's their own nerves. It's course, their own nerves thinking that it's not gonna happen and I have this goal in mind and it's not gonna happen. And then at the end, generally we push everybody to surge. We'll be like, Go, go for it you know, run, you know, run to the finish. There it is. Anything you still have in the tank, go. And almost always they do. And we find them at the end. That's great. You know, we have to stay on pace. Sure.
2: sure. Yeah. You brought up aid stations and, and this was a question of mine. Like, I love the idea that as long as you can see me, you're good, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you can see yep. us, you know, if you have a team. Right. But, I mean, so do you say at the beginning, you know, we're going to walk through every aid station or do you just say, do what you need to do with the aid stations? I mean, like how many instructions do you give them?
0: I generally tell them, you know, as long as you can see me, I tell them that part. A lot of them will ask, what about the aid stations? I usually will say to them, we will walk about 10 paces while you guys grab and go. But as you know, if you need to stay longer or if there's a line or a crowd, then just just find us, you know, don't, you know, completely tear out of that trying to catch up to us. Just it'll happen. Don't panic, you know, and we tell them that a lot of these conversations also take place at the expo. Cause we always have an expo where the pacers are there yeah. um, and you can meet your pacers, you can ask them questions. And so we have a lot of new, new runners that will come and ask those kind of questions at the expo. And that's a really, I always encourage people to, to ask those questions then just cause on race day, you may be having a hard time finding them. It may just be, you know, loud. You might not know. So, yeah. During the race, our earlier guest, Meg, had mentioned she wears a shirt.
1: and This is a smaller race. So she was able to wear a shirt that indicated she was a pacer. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. that you've had to hold a sign. Sure. Does that, that for the entire half marathon
0: you're holding the sign? And how do you do that? Yep. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as it sounds. And it honestly gives your mind something else to think about sometimes. <laughs> so every race that I've done, at least, we've had a pacer sign and we just hold it up. It's like a dowel rod with like, the sign at the top will say like whatever the finish time is. So it might say 2.20, you know, 2.15 or whatever. Um, I've also, I had to think, I, I've i also paced the Go Girl Run series when, when it was here in Oklahoma City. I was a pacer for them as well. And so we got pretty crafty and we would put, you know, ribbons or we put a light on them because sometimes you're pacing and it's really dark. You know, like our races start at six in the morning or seven in the morning and it might be really dark. So we had some that were lit up. Um, So we carry it. And then if you have another person that you're pacing with, you just hand it off every once in a while. Like we may do three miles. You know, I'm going to hold it for three miles and you do it for three miles. And then we decide who wants to hold it at the end or whatever. So yeah, in addition to having a pacer jersey, because every race I've done, we've had a designated jersey that said pacer on it.
2: Nice. Nice. All right. I'm sure you've helped hundreds of runners to get their goal pace or PR. Are there any, Jamie, that stick out right now? Or is it just a blend of a, a lot of elation?
0: <laughs> you know, I say that it's not necessarily one in particular person, but there's always that one person that the race is over, you've crossed the line and somebody taps you on the shoulder and asks, can I take a picture with you? And you never knew they were there. You never knew they were behind you the whole time. You had no idea. They were just kind of silent follower. And you never realized that they were really relying on you. And it's always such a blessing when somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, you just helped me reach my goal. Can I take a picture with you? And you're like... It's so moving. Yeah, it is so moving every single time. Oh, I love that. I live for that moment. It's that so is wonderful. so awesome.
2: It reminds me. I actually have the chills right now. A little bit of goosebumps, but it reminds <laughs> me somebody. I, I've never been a pacer, but uh, at a New York Road Runners race way back when I lived in New York City, like somebody after the race came up to me and said, "Oh, thank you so much," and I'm like what i don't think you're talking to my person like you know he's he's like i followed your red shirt the whole time like i kept you you, were, oh my, you were gosh. my i mean so i was like his like you know de facto pacer but it it is it's 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 really yeah. it's such a gratifying feeling because it's not just about you know how you finished the line so and i'm sure you've had right. so many people right. come up and i mean I, that would be very cool that that would be a reason to be a pacer right there i think
0: Oh yeah, that's what that's what makes you want to do it every time is because you never know. You've got the people who are right next to you who are bumping elbows with you, and you know they're there, <laughs> <laughs> but you you don't always know the ones who are have you in view, you know, and who maybe surge past you in the end. There's always somebody you're inspiring, and you have no idea how, you know, somebody who is really struggling, and you're carrying a conversation the whole time and making jokes, and they're dying, and they're like, wow, they hold you in some sort of a scene that makes you feel really good. It's 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 a very rewarding thing. I can imagine. I'm curious.
2: I I feel like um, people are, you know, we've got a lot of teachers, a lot of nurses, a lot of kind of helpers in the AMR community that are helpers by nature. And I love that. And I'm I'm imagining that there's a lot of, you know, pacing interest, but it's also a lot of responsibilities. So, I mean, tell us like how close you have to be. If you have to run a 220 half marathon, like, are you expected to be Right on the dot at two twenty, or how much of a leeway do you have on either side?
0: You know, it it kind of depends on the race. Um, most races have been very like, hey, stay as close as you can. Some races I've done, like, okay, see, we kind of have like a we have a competition who can come the closest <laughs> yeah. to the actual time. And so there's an incentive in it, you know. And there have been times I have come in like two twenty zero 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 and we're like, wow, we rock, you know. But there's no penalty, there's no anything like that. But I've also paced some races where it was a little bit more like, Hey, you know, they kind of came down on you afterwards. If you were too far off and too far off being, I would say more than, you know, three or four minutes. Okay. Now, with that said, if you've had race delays or weather delays or something like extreme heat, they're going to understand, you know, you got people to the finish line. Sure. So, um, yeah, it really depends on the race, but I've only had one race series that was a little more like, Hey, you better do this. You know, that kind of thing. We won't ask you back. Everything else has just been more like, Hey, let's have a friendly competition of who could come in the closest. (laughs)
1: Okay. Nice. Nice. Just listening to you and listening to Meg, I think a lot of people will be inspired to be a pacer and potentially do it in the future. So what tips do you have for those who want
0: to give it a try? I'd say if you have the opportunity, if there are any local training programs, maybe I'm spoiled that we have so many of them here, but if you have any local groups that meet and have a training group, whether it's paid for, whether it's, you know, a a free training group where they have Pacers, join that and see if you can be a pace coach because that's a good way to kind of get your feet wet with can I hold this pace? Can I do this? The first time you pace is nerve wracking because you're like, what if, what if, what if, you know, what if I can't do it? That kind of thing. You know, it's totally okay to run your own pace while you're training on the off days on your own, but make sure that you give some dedicated time before the race day to practicing holding that pace. So if I'm able, you know, the weather's nice and I'm able to run in the nines, great. But if it, if race day is approaching, I need to make sure and practice my pace time, whatever it is I'm going to run because it can be tricky and you don't want to be struggling to find your rhythm on race day. So if you don't have a pace coaching gig around you that you can do. At least practice, you know, setting your watch to a certain pace and having it, you know, do an alarm when you're not on pace. That's that's really helpful. Know the course, especially if it's not one that's local. Make sure and go drive it the day before, bike it, whatever you can do so that there's no sudden surprises <laughs> of hills or road surfaces or direction changes that you're not aware of have a set of jokes or fun facts (laughs) that you can spew off because sometimes you're like, uh, the people aren't talking with me. I feel like I'm too quiet. You know, um, What's, what, what's your best joke, Jamie, give it to us. (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh, not on the spot. (laughs) Because I've done the OKC race so many times, I know a lot of little fun facts about the area or about, You know, my dad grew up along part of the OKC course. And so he has told me all these old stories about when he was a kid and things that he did when he was really naughty. (laughs) And so I love. Being able to tell people those while we're racing, there's about like a three and a half mile stretch. It's also just happens to be a gradual uphill that is grueling. It's just, uh, it's a long stretch everybody hates. So it kind of lightens it up when you have some fun stories to share, you know, and silly things to talk about yeah. during that time. So if it's a course that you're familiar with, whether it's a fun house or a fun fact that you can say about the area, that's always nice to you. It encourages, you know, interest, especially for people who are maybe out mm-hmm. of state. Don't be afraid to ask people, even if they're wheezing or they're having a hard time, you know, ask them about what they do or how many races have you run? Whose first time is it? You know, celebrating all those things along the way with them. It may be a milestone. So find out a little bit about the people that you're running with while you're running. And that's kind of nice, too. It encourages conversation. Mm-hmm. Have you had any return customers in your pace group? It
1: sounds like your you're joy to run with. I can imagine that people would want to come back and do it again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I have a few people that I've run with before, you know, that they, they will pace with me. My daughter is one of them now, which mm-hmm. is great. You know, she's pacing with me. She did her first in the spring and she's doing another one in just a few weeks. And she's going to be with me then too. I've had a few people that have come back that I recognized from the past. Um, And then a lot of them are in the same pace groups with the coaching group that mm-hmm. I'm in. That's just a, an, an added bonus when you're mm-hmm. local. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. This has been
2: so fun to talk to you and I, you kind of put us in the okay memorial race. I mean, it's just yeah. like, I'm like, I kind of want to go see the, your where your dad is and all that kind of stuff, but.
0: Oh, you really should. <laughs> so when is your,
2: when, when is the next pacing duty for you?
0: Right now, uh, the end of October, I think it's the October 23rd around that weekend, the running store that I'm a pace coach for, they had an inaugural race last year, so this is the second year, and they have a half marathon that's just along our downtown area. I'll be hopefully pacing that one. I think I'm on the waiting list right now, but I'm hoping to get to pace it.
2: Very cool. Sending you good luck. Hope you get in there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. I appreciate you guys having me on.